own strength. But he calls us to do things that, apart from him, they cannot be done. He calls us, if you will, to walk on water. So whatever he's called you to, yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's over your head. Yes, it's beyond you. But that's the beauty of it. Because you must rely on him. You must keep your eyes on him. And not look at the wind and the waves. Oh, when we do that, we sink. But I'm so glad we have a Savior who will lift us up before we hit the bottom. And allow us to walk on water again. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be reminded that we can please you with our faith. For those who are facing some insurmountable odds, those who are looking at their finances and wondering how they're going to make it, those who are looking at doctor's reports and wondering how they're going to make it, those who are struggling with relationships and just they're ready to give up. But I'm so glad that with you all things are possible. So thank you for this moment, for this hour. Now bless your word. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now today is family time. We are here together. The children and the teenagers have not been dismissed. So we're worshiping together as a family. And then in a few moments, we're going to eat together as a family. Let the church say amen. amen. We got some good grub for y'all. All right. Some good grub. But before we get the uh, physical food. We are going to get a little bit of soul food. Let the church say amen. Uh, some soul food. For man shall not live by biscuits and Popeye's chicken alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we're going to get a little word. But before we even do that, there are a couple of testimonies that we need to hear to be encouraged. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And when you hear these testimonies today, I promise you, it will give your heart some encouragement. It will give you some boost, a boost in your faith to trust God and to believe God for what you're waiting on him for. So I'm going to ask Dustin Cocter to come up first. And you can bring your family, whoever you wish. He has a testimony to share. Let's give Dustin a hand, everybody. Yeah. Dustin Cochter. Um, I'm married to Courtney, and this is Wyatt, and we adopted him from Uganda last January, and we actually just got back um, last week uh, with two more uh, Ugandans to our family. We adopted twins, so our life is crazy right now. Uh, my wife, my wife is at home with the twins because if they were here, they would be all over the place. They're they're absolutely crazy, but we love them. Um, our story is is pretty unique. Our adoption story just shows a lot about the faithfulness of God. And like Pastor said, that he's not going to call us to do something that we can do on our own. And it really has been something that's taken a village and it's taken a lot of time. Um, when my wife was young, it was laid on her heart that she would adopt children. Um, it was something that God put on her heart. She knew growing up that her family wouldn't look like the average American family. And back in 2012, she and I went to Uganda um, on a three-week mission trip. We worked in an orphanage, worked in a medical clinic. We went out 
to villages where vehicles can't go and hung mosquito nets, mosquito nets prayed with families, and just our hearts broke um, because we're like, this is, this is a place where we're going to come back. Um, and so then once we decided to start thinking about growing our family and what that was going to look like, um, it came back to that, that old story of um, our family is going to grow through adoption. And with the stories that we had from Uganda, we knew that that was going to be the place where our family, where our children were, were going to be from. And so we started that process, and after like, a lot of prayer and paperwork and all of that, uh, we got matched with a little three-year-old boy named Juco. And Courtney went and spent a week with Juco, taking him food, loving on him. Everybody started calling her Mommy Juco. He started calling her Mommy. Uh, she sent videos of him calling me Daddy. He's the first boy to ever call me Daddy. And uh, about a week into it, just some events surfaced, and we found out that we wouldn't be able to ethically adopt him. And so uh, Courtney had to leave him in the orphanage. Uh, she walked away, uh, came home, and we went through a dark season of our lives. Um, it was a season of our lives where we could not sing oceans because God was not good. Like, for us, we could not say it. We could not sing. We could not praise him. And it was a very, very dark time for our family. Several months went by where we wanted to give up, we wanted to walk away, we wanted to leave that, and um, thankfully, um, God put this church in our lives, God put people in our lives that re-solidified that God is good, and he put people in our lives to carry us through it. And so several months later, we got a little picture of this guy, um, and it was a picture of him wearing a dress. So that <laughs> the first picture of him, he's wearing a dress. Um, but we, we went to Uganda, and as things go with adoptions and with foster care, it never really goes how you plan. And so two days in, we found out our court date got delayed a month. And so I had to come home, and Courtney stayed there for two and a half months by herself uh, to complete the adoption process, and it worked out great. Wyatt came to our family. And it was... And that initial transition was hard because he was 18 months old, but he still grieved and he still had pain because he was no longer surrounded by 20 other kids. He was no longer surrounded by the three women that had cared for him his entire life, the three women that he called mama. Uh, they were not there. And so he didn't have the words, but he had the voice and the tears and the screams. And it was, it was difficult. About six months was so hard. And we had those questions of like, why did we... Why did we do this? What was the purpose of this? Um, but then seeing him now and seeing the way that he's changed and seeing the way our lives have changed, how our, how our family's lives have changed, all of those around us that have been touched by him, the fact that my sister and her husband, they started opening their hearts to foster care, and now they have two foster kids in their home. And so it's just been amazing the testimony that's developed through this with our family. And uh, we, we thought we'd never go back to Uganda. Um, in Uganda, most women don't wear, uh, most women don't wear um, pants. They wear skirts, just kind of the culture. And so Courtney, when she went over there with, with Wyatt, she had a bunch of skirts. And when it was all done, she's like, I'm never coming back here. So she left all her skirts there. <laughs> she's like, it's not, like, this is not happening again. Um, we knew that we weren't done with adoption, but just the stress of Uganda, we, we were like, we don't know. Uh, but then finally... Um, after months and months of going back and forth about the timing, what we're going to do, it all came back to Uganda. 
uh, that trip from 2012, like it hit us hard again, and we're just like, that's that's the place to be. And originally we were we were matched with a three-year-old boy, um, but then um, just things changed with that. And then our agency contacted us and they said, "Are you are you open to two kids?" And we said, "Well, yes, 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 we are. Yes, God, if, if that's the question, yes, yes, okay." Um, and then they're like, well, we have twins. We're like, okay, wonderful. Um, so we went and we did, and we did the hard things. We arrived on a Sunday night at about 11 o'clock at night. Uh, and Monday morning, we found out that our court date was delayed again. Um, so we hadn't even been there for eight hours before our plans went, our plans went kaput. And uh, our court got delayed another month. So in the last five months, Courtney has made four trips back and forth to Uganda. Uh, finally, the last trip, we got back on Thursday with the two twins. Now, Wyatt just turned three last week, and the twins, a boy and a girl, Anita and Kakuru, uh, they will turn three next week. So, we have triplets. <laughs> That's what that means. Um, yeah. So, so, I think it's one of those where like, God wouldn't, wouldn't have put us in this place if it wasn't for the people around us and the angels that are in our lives that help take care of us, the, the checks that came in from people who said, we don't know you, but we read your blog and we, we support this. We want to help you. It's the, the families that sent us emails and said, we just moved to Dallas. We don't have a church yet, so we want to give you our tithe. And that tithe was the exact amount of the check we were going to send that week to our agency. It's the people that come up to our church, came up to us in church the day before Courtney was supposed to go for this second trip. And said, I don't know what's on your heart right now, but I know God's going to get you through it. And just those moments, um, it's just fascinating to know that throughout all this, it's been hard. We've gone to the depths. We hated life. We hated this for ourselves. Um, but now we see the joy. And God has delivered. God has delivered on his promise. He's not done. Um, you know, there's still, there's still a lot to be done. Our family's growing. The prayers that we need are just the prayers for our family adjusting to all this. For Wyatt, um, he's having to share his cars right now because they, they take his cars all the time. Um, but also, we know that the twins are going to grieve. We know that it's going to be hard for them. And just for us to have wisdom and grace um, to, deal with, to deal with that to get us through. Um, but it all, it all comes back to, you know, God has been faithful and it's been wonderful just being on this journey, and we know it's 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 not done. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Amen. If we can just endure, hang in there, we'll get the crown of life. Thank you for that real testimony. Wyatt, it's going to be all right, man. It's going to be all right. I saw y'all swimming and all kinds of things on Facebook, and you're not by yourself. We are your extended family in the Lord, and uh, we're honored to sit with your children in children's ministry so that your wife can have a breather. Um, we're honored to be a part of what God is doing in the Cochter family. Let's give God praise for that. Amen. Amen. And if you saw the Tennessean on Thursday, I believe, uh, a young man from this congregation was featured 
on the front page. So Johannes, Melody, are you guys here to come up and give us a testimony? All right, come on up, you guys. Amen. My God, he's good. He's good. He's good. So only Johannes can have three patterns on his clothing and look great, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I was just, as you guys were asking me to share, I was just, the Lord laid on my heart all the lies that have been told to me about Johannes. And we know that Satan is the father of lies. And they started early. I remember at five, the neurologist telling me he would be institutionalized by eight. Um, and this past year was a year of lies. Um, he started middle school, and it was just disastrous. I'm, I'm talking disastrous. He would um, take cough drops in his pocket and get five days of ISS. He would accidentally flick somebody with a rubber band and get 10 days of ISS. Um, and, and the lies started pouring in about how this child was dangerous. And, and we know, you know, he's an African-American child, and... Um, He's not afforded the care of white privilege. And um, since then, the, the principal of his school has lost her job, probably due to the 500 emails I saved and the way I knocked the superintendent's door down about all of this. Yeah. But <laughs> like Johannes says, don't mess with my mama. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, Satan is the father of lies, and God has told me from the beginning that he has meant great things for this child and that there are things that everybody struggles with, but he is gifted in some areas. And um, those gifts has just started shining, and it's just been amazing to see. And truly, this year has been a year where we just feel like God's promises that we can see them at last, that we have been hearing these promises, but we've just had to trust that one day everything would come together. Um, so this year we have just seen him just grow and learn and his brain has gotten so much more organized and we are just seeing things. I think the sky is the limit for him. And we came to a point at school where we had a final meeting with the principal and everybody else. Um, Kaima was there. My mom was there. Kaima after the meeting was like, I don't know how you do this three days a week because I was going in weekly. He said, because I feel like I need to take the whole day off work after this. Like it was just intense. These meetings were intense. Um, and I pulled him out of school after that meeting because I felt like God said, this isn't the place for him. And we had no plan. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And the truancy people were calling me and Johannes is like, Officer Beard's going to arrest you. He's going to arrest you. <laughs> you. You need to do something. Um, and the next day we had applied four different times to Curry Ingram did not have the money to send him there. I'd visited every single school within a 40-mile radius. He had shadowed at a bunch of schools, um, and every time it came back, we just couldn't afford it. The financial aid, it wasn't enough financial aid. And the day after I pulled him out of school, I hadn't even applied again. We got a letter from Curry Ingram. They afforded us $14,000 more than they'd ever afforded us before, and he's going to Curry Ingram in the fall. So... This is Johannes' testimony, and I feel like, so I, I, we kind of felt like the Israelis where the Egyptians are right behind us, but the Lord didn't part the sea until they were right there, and we felt like we got put right there over and over again, and it's happened all throughout Johannes' life where we get put right there, and we despair, 
we despair. We were, I was crying myself to sleep every night from September until I pulled him out because I just didn't know what to do. And, and y'all mamas know that this is not easy, right? You're only as happy as your most unhappy child. This is hard. This is hard. So this is what Johannes wrote. I don't know if he wants to read it or he wants me to read it. You want me to read it? Okay, so he wrote this. This is his testimony. Well, I was going to Poplar Grove and things were hard. God helped me keep on going even though people were being mean to me. People thought I was a bad kid. God thinks I'm wonderful and have a lot of pizzazz. People saw the bad in me and I was in trouble maybe 24-7. I don't like to remember it. It makes me feel scared. It was like jail because I was in ISS so much. It was a season of dark clouds, stormy weather, and thunder. I have a hard time learning in school, but I'm really good at learning things like magic tricks. It's hard to spend so many hours doing something you're no good at. You start to feel bad about yourself. I think God sees me as a wonderful and joyful person. God sees me as a person who will do good things with my life. Like I'm not going to get involved with drugs or something. I'm going to have a good life. My favorite story in the Bible is David and Goliath. David is courageous, and he pushed through everything. He was the runt of the pack, and that's sort of like what I've been through. Because I was like the runt and had to push through. God gave me favor. He helped me. He was nice to me. David also made a lot of big mistakes like me, and he still loved God so much. I had lots of nightmares and was scared to sleep at night. Sometimes I felt like God wasn't there because I was always scared and had such bad dreams. Then God helped me, and he gave me peace. Things are changing for me. I feel like I'm coming into a new season of joy. I feel like I was broken and God put me back together. I knew I would go to Curry Ingram because God always makes a way. My parents always say that every good thing comes from God and that if God gives you a platform, you have to build an altar on it. So. And just one more thing, um, when things were really, really bad, every night when Johannes went to sleep, I always told him this, and remind your children of this, because shame will stick children in the mud and they can't come out of it. And I would always say, buddy, God has forgiven you for everything you did yesterday, everything you did today, and everything you'll do tomorrow, so sleep on that. This story is yet to be written, but we know it ends in victory. We know that. So, thank you guys. You want to say something? Yeah. <laughs> he was able, uh, because he's put videos out of him performing magic on the streets of Franklin, that some big shot magicians in New York City and other places saw him and have given him some of their tricks and they've invited you to come to New York City, am I right? To come and meet with those folks. And then Friday, you were at Opry Mills Mall performing before one of these magicians performed in front of everybody. And so God has given you that platform to build that altar on, to use the gifts and the skill set that he's given you to bring him glory. Amen. Now, do you want to do one? You, you, I see you got your cards now. You want to do a trick? All right, come on, come on. Does this involve me? I got to pick a card.
Amen. Uh, and I got one more. And I didn't tell him this, but uh, somebody wore some new sneakers to church today because he got a new brace or braces on his feet. And he wore some Air Jordans this morning. So Tracy and Micah, would you come up here and tell us how y'all are doing with the surgery that he just came through? Come on, let's give God glory. Look at them Jordans. Yeah, baby. I'm standing next to a miniature Pastor Chris. Amen. What's up? What's up? Um, we're, we're doing great. Micah is rocking along. He had another surgery, um, I guess about three weeks ago. He had a plate and some pins put in his leg right here. And um, when we went back, he had an immobilizer, which is not really fun for an 11-year-old boy in the summer. But my son did not complain one time, um, and when we went back for his post-op visit, his surgeon literally said, this has healed better than any of the other kids that I've seen come back at this point. He has done so well. So we were thankful for that. Um, the, goal, the goal is he has an extreme bowing of this leg just due to some bone stuff. So what we're praying for now is that this, the purpose of this, that it will work and that it will be successful and that his leg will grow straight so that we don't have to do any other um, more invasive surgeries for his leg. But um, while we were at that doctor, we were also blessed to be able to have him fitted with some different orthotics for his feet and his ankles. Um, and they're slimline, so he can wear whatever shoes he wants now because he could not wear the Jordans and the LeBrons that he loves so much due to the bulkiness of these braces. So um, he got new braces, and yesterday he was thrilled, and we were... I, you wouldn't think as a mom you'd get that excited that your kid, you know, that you get to buy your kid Air Jordans, you know? But it was really exciting, and it's something cool that even the little things that are close to his heart, God is blessing him with. So we go back to St. Jude. We go back to St. Jude in about one month, and we'll have a week of testing and scans, and we appreciate your prayers for continued good news that the brain tumor is still responding to treatment, and Micah starts back to school tomorrow. 
And Zach goes back to school tomorrow and Grace. And Scott goes back to work after being off for three months. So Tracy is just going to be in the pool, just floating. So, Mama time. So anyway, thank you all for your prayers. Please continue to cover us. Um, he's doing great. He is recovering from the radiation really, really well. So you want to say anything? Okay. Thank you all. We love you. Turn quickly in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53, or on your mobile device, thumb your way to Isaiah chapter 53. Because I got to talk this morning about I'm all in as a believer. I'm all in as a believer. R.I.P. to the old man. Strong Tower exclusive. Raising the stakes, my chips in, my chips in. We 50 deep and they bluffed in, bluffed in. My poker face. Got on my poker face and we all in. We all in. All in. We all in. We all in. We all in. 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 If they asking, if they asking, we all in. We all in. All in. for the next seven weeks because we're all in up in here we are all in and if I could dance I would so I'm gonna get some of the young people in a couple of weeks to do some dancing for us because we are all in Isaiah chapter 53 tells us the scripture the prophecy of when Christ would come it was written some 700 years before Jesus would actually come to earth this prophecy is so accurate about the suffering that the Messiah, that the Deliverer would go through, that some thought that it was written after the fact and not 750 years before it occurred. Some said that it was not prophecy, but it was in fact a retelling of history. But with the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1947, they were able to find a parchment dedicated to the scroll of Isaiah that predates the time of Jesus Christ by 100 years. And in that parchment, in that scroll, they were able to see these words, Isaiah chapter 53, that we have in our scriptures to confirm that what Isaiah wrote in this chapter was in fact prophetically given from God and given to describe the suffering that Jesus would go through. Now, the reason why this portion of scripture is so important to me is because this was the scripture that the Lord used to allow me to be born again. This was the scripture that God used to bring me into the kingdom. You see, I grew up in church. I grew up in church. I grew up as a Baptist person. My grandfather 
the Reverend Dr. Hezekiah Williamson Sr. was the pastor of New Mount Carmel Baptist Church, of which my family went religiously every Sunday. And I would go and we would sit on a road that was dedicated to the Williamson family. And uh, I remember listening to my grandfather preach, not understanding anything he said until he got to the end and he began to hoop. Now, I don't know where you come from, but some of us understand what hooping is. That, that's when a Baptist pastor would bring the sermon to a close and uh, he would get happy uh, as he preached and the organist would play and the music would accompany and he would preach and woo, he would hoop sometimes. I can't sing, so I can't hoop, but I do rap, so maybe later I'll rap or something, but I don't hoop. But my grandfather would hoop, and when he hooped, I knew that the sermon was coming to an end. It was time to go, and I would take my offering money that my parents would give me. You would put a quarter in, but I would also keep a quarter for myself and go across the street to the penny candy store and buy me some lemon heads and some nowlaters and some sunflower seeds every Sunday. And I would laugh at the women who would get happy in church and start shouting, and I didn't understand the reason for their joy. Uh, it was a show to me. And then right behind my grandfather was the baptism pool. You would have the choir loft and then the baptism pool. And there was a picture of John the Baptist and Jesus over the pool. And I never understood who Jesus was, why Jesus came. And I would even see other pictures in my grandfather's office of Jesus on a cross. And I never, ever understood why this man was on the cross. And so I grew up in church, going to church, carrying a Bible. And when my grandfather, um, at the age of nine, he baptized me in the basement of his church. Uh, but I didn't know who Jesus was. I went and got in the water, and I had no clue of what it meant to be a Christian. But I went through religious activity. And then when my grandfather passed, my family went through a metamorphosis. They started talking about being born again. And I didn't know what that terminology was, uh, but my sister, as I came to find out later, my oldest sister, Kathy, she was in a phone booth one day, and she saw a track left behind, a gospel track. And in this gospel track was the plan of salvation, of how to become a Christian, of how to have your sins forgiven, who Jesus is, how to trust him. And so she trusted the Lord from reading that track. And then she went home and shared the gospel with my mother. And my mother got saved and my sister, my other sister got saved. And my dad recommitted his life. And so my whole family transformed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And I'm sitting there watching all of this stuff. And they're using this rhetoric, this born again stuff. And they're Christians. And, and so they start going to a Bible teaching church. And so everybody in my house started buying these Ryrie study Bibles, and they had highlighters, and they're listening to teaching on the radio. They're watching teaching on the television. They're going to church, and they're paying attention. My father's language cleans up. He stops drinking on the weekend. He gets rid of his Richard Pryor albums, and, and man, I see a transformation in this brother. I go into the bathroom, and they would leave tracks in the bathroom about athletes, professional athletes becoming born again. And I'm sitting in there reading this stuff like, what are they doing? What is all of this about? So I went to church because uh, that's how it was growing up in my home. Uh, I was 15 years old, and the church that we were going to was called Manna Bible Baptist Church and was right next to Pimlico Racetrack in downtown Baltimore. And so uh, 
the pastor of that church happened to be uh, uh, friends with a professional baseball player named Pat Kelly. Pat Kelly played for the Baltimore Orioles, the Cleveland Indians, and I think the Chicago White Sox. Well, after Pat Kelly retired, he became an evangelist for the Lord, and he had a heart to reach young people. And so uh, he would have these camps uh, in the summer where he would call all of the churches in the city of Baltimore to send their children to these camps. So our church sent the students to the camp. So I was 15 years old, and my goal in going to this camp was to meet girls. I did not want to meet the Lord. Again, I thought I knew the Lord. I was religious, but I was going up there to show off in front of the girls. Now, I couldn't swim, so I wasn't going to show off by the pool, but I was going to show off on the football field, the baseball diamond, and the basketball court because it was all about girls. But when we uh, got on these big old Greyhound buses to leave the city and go up to the mountains of Kalora, Maryland, I remember trying to, you know, pick out which girls I was going to talk to. She looked good. Oh, I like her. Look at her. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I was getting my game plan together. But then when those buses unloaded on that mountain, they separated the guys from the girls. I was like, no, y'all tricked the brother. What's up with this? And for the first time, I sat and I paid attention to the word because I was in small group sessions with boys as teachers would teach. And there was this one man who was teaching. His name was Milton Worley, and he was a deacon at our church, and he was cold, too. I mean, he was cool with it. He had, you know, a little swagger when he walked, you know. He would tilt his brim to the side. You know, Milton was out there before he came on the inside with Christ. And so we could understand Milton when he would break it down to us. And for those who are wondering, Milton Worley happens to be Stacy Allen's father who used to attend our church years ago before they moved back to Maryland to uh, work with Messiah uh, Church there with Rod Harrison. And so her dad was sharing the word of God every day with us, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, even Friday. And he used this passage right here, and this is when the Holy Spirit revealed to me why Jesus died on the cross. And I'd just like to read this to you before we leave today. Isaiah chapter 53, beginning at verse 1, the prophet said, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. This is speaking of Christ. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Here it is. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So that week after hearing this word, hearing this word, I began to understand why Jesus died, why Jesus came why he was crucified on that cross. 
it became very personal to me when I realized he died for my iniquities. He died for my sins because he loves me. And he didn't want me to pay for my sins on my own because if I did, I'd be paying for all eternity. But Jesus came to pay my debt for me. He died for me. He died in my place because he loved me. And that week, as that word was being sown into my life and watered in my life, that Friday, God gave the increase. And on June 29th, 1984, a preacher got up in a big setting like this because we would have uh, evening sessions. We would have the little Bible studies. We'd have the sports activities and all of that. Thank God for camp. Thank God for barefoot camp, camps that can reach kids where they are. And man, they broke it down. And so they had the evening service and everything was building to a climax to invite students, teenagers, to accept Jesus Christ. And so the gentleman gave the invitation and he said, whoever wants to accept Jesus right now can do so. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to ask that you come forward right now if you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And as I was sitting there, I knew that the Lord was working on me. The Bible talks about how this is the day of salvation. Don't harden your heart. And I could feel the conviction of the Spirit working on me, saying, this is your time. This is your day. This is your moment. And in that time, I began to quench what the Spirit was trying to do in my life because I said, wait a minute, people are going to laugh at me. I've been going to church. My father is a deacon. My grandfather is a preacher. Everybody thinks I'm a Christian. I carry a Bible. I dress up like Christian people do. I can't go up there and get saved. But the Spirit wouldn't let me go. The Spirit wouldn't let me go. And so after a few minutes and people had come up, people were crying. I saw kids kneeling. They were coming up. I said, Lord, I can't go up there. But then the speaker, and this is how good God is. And this is why what Melody says about the grace of God superbounds over our sin. Because I ended up getting saved in pride. What do you mean? I didn't come up when he called for unbelievers to come. But when he called for people who want to rededicate their lives, I snuck up with the Christians who were rededicating to give my life to the Lord. So even in my pride, he met me and saved me that day. And I knew that I was transformed. Something had happened inside of me. I couldn't have quoted or written the book of Romans, but I knew I had become a new creation. There was this fire in my bosom. I felt this joy, this love, this peace. I mean, it was unexplainable that day when I asked Jesus to be my Savior. And I became a believer. And, and as we'll talk about in the weeks to come, um, Jesus went all in for me on that cross. And so now it's my joy to go all in for him as a believer and as a disciple of his. My life was changed, and I'm so thankful. But before we go and partake of the food, we can't build as we go forward as a church on the things that are to come if we don't have the basics in place, and that is a relationship with the Lord. And you're here at church today, and that's a good thing. That's a great thing. And that shows some kind of desire to seek after God. But it's not enough. God wants you to respond to the fact that he has sought after you. And he has demonstrated his love in that while we were still in our sins, not thinking about him, not regarding him, Jesus died for us. And if you don't accept what Jesus has done for you, then you're walking on thin ice. Because if you die 
and face God without Jesus Christ, you're going to pay for your own sins and you're going to go to hell. You're going to suffer for all eternity. You may say, I don't believe that. Well, I'd rather believe in the Lord who created us, who gave us this word, and in the fact that history hinges on the coming of his son. I trust in him. And, uh, and above that, what he is doing in my heart and life, I know that God is real because he's changed me. And this may be your time to say, it's my turn. It's my time to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand up right now. I had questions. I was religious, but I wasn't born again. I was a churchgoer, a church member, but I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't saved. I had to ask Jesus into my life to save me. And I'm so glad that he gave me another day to do that, June 29th, 1984. You know, when you read the New Testament, there's this African guy. Uh, like Johannes, an Ethiopian, who in the book of Acts chapter 8, he had just come from Jerusalem. He was a worshiper. He was religious. He was seeking after God. But God sought him as he was going back home. He was sitting in his chariot, reading from this passage of scripture. He didn't know what it meant, but the Lord sent Stephen to him, or Philip rather, to interpret the scripture and introduced Jesus to him. And that Ethiopian accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he went home rejoicing. Isaiah 53 lets us know that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. We all have sinned. We all have fallen short of the glory of God, but God made a way for our sins to be forgiven. And Jesus was crushed at Calvary so that you and I could be forgiven and accepted by God. That's the gospel, because after he died, he rose again from the grave. He is alive. And if you've never trusted him, this is your time. This is your moment. You may have been coming to this church ever since you were knee-high to a grasshopper. You may be one of my kids for all I know. I don't know, but we don't want to play with this. You may have had a profession of faith, but there hasn't been any true experience of walking with God you don't know there's an emptiness there may be somebody here that says man I want to get serious I, I really I want to make sure I want to know that I know that I know the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I became a believer June 29th, 1984. I wonder if there's anyone who wants to become a believer today, July 31st, 2016. But before I invite you to come, I just want to let you know that you're in good company here because you're surrounded by a bunch of believers who have accepted Christ. And they did what you're about to do right now. And just by a show of hands, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, he is your savior, he is your God, he is your keeper, he's the lover of your soul, he's everything to you. Oh my, you, you know there was a time 
when you were younger, when you were older, when you were in a jail cell, a hospital room, when you were at church or in the, the quiet of your bedroom, whenever, you know you accepted Jesus. Just like you know your birthday, you know you've been born again. You may not know the exact date, but you know you were transformed and changed because you met the Lord Jesus. And anyone who meets him cannot stay the same because if anyone's in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. So I just need to know by a show of hands, do I have any believers in the house? Any believers in the house? Any believers in the house? You may put your hand down. Bible says that no one can be born again by the will of man. In other words, a man can't corrupt someone or manipulate someone to get saved. A person can only be born again by the Spirit of God. So before we leave, if there's someone who feels the Spirit of the Lord saying, this is my time. I'm ready to become a believer. This is my time. I'm ready to become born again. I'm ready this day, right here, right now. I know the Lord is working on my heart. Pastor Chris, would you pray for me? Jesus went all in for you. Now you're ready to go all in for him. Just raise your hand wherever you are. You're ready to accept Christ today. I see that hand. Keep that hand up. Anybody else? I see that hand right there. Anybody else? Today's the day. Anybody else? Come on, I'm going to ask you guys to step out. Come on. You step out. Come on up. Come on. Anyone else? Today's the day. Anybody else? Come on. Anybody else? Come on, brother. Hey, Dante, stand with my man. Stand with my man. Anybody else? Today's the day. Want to be a believer? Today's the day. Any children? Y'all remember that time? Jesus said, follow me. Those people left everything and followed him. And their lives were never, ever the same. We heard today through the testimonies that even when it's tough, when you want to give up on God, he never gives up on us. He's a good, good father. And right here, right now, two people said, yes, I want to accept him. But before they pray, there's room for one more. Is there one more person that today is the day? This morning, we were praying for you. We were praying for you this morning to get saved. Is there one other person? Anybody else? Come on up. I see that hand, DJ. DJ, come on up here with your pastor, man. Come on up here, DJ, man of God. That's right. That's right. That's right. This is the day. Anyone else? You see, the children led us today. They led us today. Anybody else? and we're glad in it. We thank you one more time that Jesus gave his life for us so that we could be forgiven of all of our sins and adopted as your children, that we can go to heaven when we die, that we can have your spirit living in us, that you'll walk with us, that you'll keep us, that you'll be our God, 
our protector, our provider, our everything that you brought us back. Thank you for the cross and thank you for the empty grave. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for how you move. Thank you for saving me right when I was on my way to hell as a church member. But at the age of 15, you open up the eyes of my heart and you allow me to become a Christian. Thank you, Lord. And for these three who've come, we thank you that you made a way for them. And now, Lord, as they pray with me, and it's no special prayer, but it is a prayer that says, Lord, we acknowledge who you are and we accept you as our Savior and as our God. We thank you that you will hear their prayer and that you will save them. So by the authority of the word of God, pray with me right now from your heart to God's heart. Your mouth open up. Say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, speak those words. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. I believe you are the Son of God. And to be my Lord. I realize today that I can't be good enough. I realize today that I can't go to church enough. But I realize today that Jesus paid it all. And I'm so glad to be a child of God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. This day, I've been born again. And I say thank you, Lord, for it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Did you pray that prayer? Did you pray that prayer? Did you pray that prayer? Hey! It's the gospel. It's the gospel. All right. It's the good news of Jesus. Well, all right.